Well, good morning. Good to see you all here. And uh, so we're going to be wrapping up this series on uh, finding faith and uh, building grit. And uh, I want to do something a little bit different this morning in that, you know, so many of these messages have been kind of geared towards um, this idea of like, like preparing for like, okay, when we're going to face that difficulty. And of course, there will be that element in this. But I want you to think about this a little bit more uh, from the standpoint of like, so what happens when you get on the other side of something that's difficult? Because so often we get on the other side of something difficult and it's like um, you're exhausted by it or you're overwhelmed by it or it, it feels like, I, you know, I ventured out in this thing and, and maybe it didn't go the way you wanted. And sometimes it can be hard to feel like, like, how, how do I pick myself back up in this? You know, uh, there's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt uh, that I love. We've, we've used it here in, in past years. And it's uh, from a speech. It wasn't called this originally, but it's become known as the man in the arena. Any of you uh, know this? Okay, a bunch of you. Yeah. And it's about this thing where he talks about, you know, it's not the critics who matter and it's not that he goes, you know, it's the person that like has the courage and the boldness and they step into the arena. And even if, you know, they get bloody and they get knocked down or whatever, like they, like, isn't this awesome? Because they ventured out, they had the courage and he uses this word daring greatly, right? And it inspires people. I I love this speech. If you haven't ever uh, read it, Google it and read it just after the service, you know? Uh, But uh, uh, this thing about like daring greatly, and I bet it is inspired millions of people over the year to go out and to dare greatly, to be courageous and do that thing. Only the thing is, what happens when you dare greatly and you do that courageous thing and you're like, yes, God is with me. And then you get on the other side of it and it's like, like life punches you in the face. Like, and it doesn't go the way you wanted or you're deeply disappointed or it's like, what's going on? And you find yourself on the other side of it. You know, I I want you to think about grit this morning is grit is like that strength to pick yourself back up. Like, how do you pick yourself back up and go back at life, right? And so this morning, I hope as we walk through this message and talk about it, that it, it gives you some grit for life. And that maybe if you find yourself in a spot where, it's, where you feel a little disillusioned or a little overwhelmed, even though you made it through a thing, you're on the other side and it, and it just feels like, you know, like, what do I do now? Um, because so often we get on the other side of something like that and we get a little lost and it like it comes to define us in some way that difficulty and i don't want that for you i i want i want the story that god is writing for your life to be the thing that defines you the character and the virtues and right what he's putting before you to be the thing that defines you. So this morning, as we go through this, I hope it, it, it helps you uh, with this. And we're going to look at a guy uh, in the Bible who, uh, if 
if there was anybody that you could look at in the Bible and say, there's a tough guy, like this guy would make the top five, if not number one on the list. He is, he's one of these guys that if you look at and you go, does that guy have grit? It'd be like, absolutely. When you look at his story, his name is David. Um, and he, uh, he was a warrior. He was in battles. He was a leader. He was a king. He faced all of these different things. In fact, if you have heard the story of David and Goliath, this is that David, right? This, this guy had grit. He, like, there was nothing wimpy about him. Um, so I want us to think about his story because his story has all of these ups and downs through his story. You know, we think about the story of David and Goliath and, and this is where he kind of starts off, right? This is when we really first get to know him. And it, and it's right. That's one of those stories. They took a lot of courage to face Goliath, right? but he wins. So you can imagine on the other side of that, it feels pretty good. But know that David also had some valleys, fights and battles that weren't won, decisions that were bad decisions, decisions that were good decisions, but didn't go his way. Moments when he's on the run, and he has these really low moments where life is overwhelming, where life is painful or disillusioning. But he really did have grit. He found a way to pull himself up. And, and I want us to see this. In fact, there's, uh, there's one moment I'll just share briefly with you where um, he, it's, it's kind of a low moment because Saul is the king of Israel at this time. But David has been anointed by the high priest to become the next king of Israel. And David and Saul had this fantastic relationship for a long time. And then Saul really sours on David. He becomes threatened by David. He becomes jealous of David. And the next thing you know, uh, Saul is so bitter with David. Like he wants to have him arrested and killed. He even goes so far as now he's trying to hunt David down. And David goes from kind of this uh, warrior general and like all of these fantastic things to now, like he's on the run. He finds a place in Israel that he thinks he can uh, hide, this little city called uh, Nob. And sure enough, one of Saul's men uh, sees him there, recognizes him, and David finds out and he's got to go on the run. And this is how low it becomes for David. When he takes off on the run here, he is all by himself. Ever go through a bad situation and on the other side of it, you just feel like I'm alone, right? Whoever was with me, like they're not with me anymore. And now he's isolated. He has to run to the land of his enemies, the, uh, to the city of Gath. And he wants to just sneak in and lay low. But of course he gets recognized there. And, and the only way he can get out, his plan is, and it works, but it's a low moment. He pretends that he's gone absolutely insane. He foams at the mouth and acts like a madman just so that they, they'll have such pity on him that they just kind of kick him out of the building. And he runs off and hides in a cave. Ever feel like you're in a cave? Ever feel like... And, and this is after the story of David and Goliath. This is after they wrote songs about him because some of his victories were so amazing as he was leading other troops. And he makes it through all of that. And now he's all alone hiding in a cave. 
And I bet there's some of you this morning and it's like, you made it through. You, you, you navigated whatever that troubled water was. What it, like, for some of you, it was like a marriage ended and you just, and you're left stunned by it. But now on the other, but, but you were courageous maybe in how you navigated it or went through it. And now it's like you're on the other side of it and it just feels lonely and isolating and it just, and heavy. Maybe it was a job change that you made and it didn't work out. Whatever it is, like we've all been there at different moments. And the question becomes, how do you pick yourself back up? And the way David picks himself back up is actually really surprising. In in fact, for me personally, at least, it's like counterintuitive uh, on so many levels. Um, You know, when I was younger, uh, there was this part of me that like, when there was something like bad or difficult like that, I always wanted to go like just to the positive side of it. Like, it's just like, okay, I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to just, and for me, that's how I thought of grit. It's just like, I'm going to never give up and I'm going to stay positive. And no matter like what I feel about this or how difficult it is, I like, I'm going to just stay away from those emotions and I'm going to just center in on the positive emotions because that's what seems like that would be strong right? But that's not where David goes uh, in this. And, and I know for me, and maybe this will be true for some of you, I know for me, like that has been a hard thing to get uh, my mind around. I remember uh, early on, uh, first got married. And, uh, it, you know, of course, I went into marriage, you know, this young guy and it just with rose colored glasses and marriage is like everything I've wanted in life and it's going to be wonderful. And just like, you know, and then my marriage was like any other marriage, right? And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is, this is hard at times. Wait a minute. Like, this feels like an argument coming on and that's not very positive. And I just, you know, I wanted to avoid arguments at all costs. That just seemed like, like, why would I want to go there? Like, we're going to have a wonderful positive. And, you know, and Angie would be like, like, you know, like, like maybe we need to talk about this. Maybe we need to argue about this. And I'd just be like, no, (laughs) you know, and I wanted to avoid this whole thing. But here, here's what I want you to see though. What you see with David is that's not how he tackles life. Um, In fact, the thing that you see with David is in the midst of the lowest moments uh, of David's experience, that he experienced, rather than numb the difficult emotions, he embraced them with honesty. Like there was this thing about David that he, like he embraced all of the emotions. He, he embraced everything that was going on with that situation. He would find this way that instead of trying to numb it or push it away or avoid it, like he had this healthy way of embracing it. And, and that's what I want to talk about here. Because for some of this, like I said, this is like really counterintuitive. I, like, I, like if someone would have said this to me <clears throat> when I was first married, I would have been like, uh, that doesn't sound right. That's really nice. You know, I, like stay away from that. But the reality is David is on to something in this. And, and we get to see this with David in a really unique way, maybe in some ways more than almost anyone else in scripture. Because 
It's not just that we see it in the story of David through a number of different historical books in the Old Testament. Um, We see it in a book called the Book of Psalms. And when you think of Psalms, Psalms are kind of this cross between poetry and music and like it's, but it was, they were written, uh, oftentimes sung, they could be spoken, but they carry profound meaning and they use picture. Uh, They're deeply emotional. They're trying to speak to the deepest parts of the human heart um, from the deepest parts of, of what any human could understand from the heart of God in this. They're really powerful. And when you look at Psalms, um, the most common writer in all of Psalms is David. In fact, in, uh, go ahead and flip to Psalms. If, if you want to follow, I'm gonna, we're going to actually look at Psalm 22. But uh, the book of Psalms has 150 different Psalms. And out of those 150 uh, no less, it might be more, but at least 100, or excuse me, 73 of them uh, were written by David. If it, Close to half, if not more than half, were written by David. And so we get to, we, we get an inside look at his uh, heart in this. And we're going to look at, the, at Psalm 22 for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, and it started off with this, you know, one of the most famous Psalms, in fact, one of the most famous passages of scripture is Psalm 23, right? We've heard this at funerals. It is this amazing Psalm that is so inspiring towards faith, right? This is the Psalm that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? And you're just like, ah, oh, you know, right? I will not fear. Like God is with me. There's just, it is a powerful psalm of faith. Psalm 22, which comes right before it, starts off in, like in the exact opposite place. And it's like, how did David go from writing Psalm 22 in this lowest of low place to then writing Psalm 23 that is so filled with, it's like he, he, he found grit. It's like he found a way to pick himself up. The other thing you need to know about Psalm 22 is it is what is known as a messianic psalm. It is a picture, and we won't read all the passages that picture Christ in this, but it is uh, an amazing picture of Jesus. It captures the heart of Jesus. In fact, Jesus would quote on the cross uh, a passage we're gonna read here in a moment from the 22nd Psalm. And so what you see here is it's not just David who lives this way, who knows how to pick himself up in this way. It's also illustrated by Christ through the 22nd uh, Psalm in this. So um, Psalm 22, and, and I want you to just look at how David faces the anguish of having come through something and how he embraces that difficulty in a way that isn't all that common. Uh, Look at verse uh, one, he says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right, and this is what Jesus said on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? I mean, this, this is a man 
anguish. And look what he's saying. It's just like, God, like, where are you? I feel alone. Like he's in that cave abandoned by you, God. Like there's brutal honesty uh, in this. He goes on, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night but I find no rest, right? He's, this is an exhausted man. Ever get to a place where like on the inside, like maybe you navigated that thing, but it's just like, God, like where, this isn't, this isn't the deal. This isn't like I stepped out. I followed you in faith. I, right. And it was hard. And now I'm on the other side of it. And it's like, you're not there with me. Or I'm so exhausted. I don't know what to do moving forward at this place. And notice his honesty about his pain with God in this. And I wonder how many times like we'll struggle at a moment and it's like you feel disappointed by God in something. But it's like, oh, but that's like, I'd be a bad Christian to be disappointed with God. Like that can't be faithful. That, that, that can't be good. I just, and we kind of push those away. But I'm here to tell you, David didn't. David's like, this is where my heart is. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I got it right. Maybe I don't understand. But, but this, this is the honesty of what I'm going through. And we've probably all felt this a time or two. And I love that David doesn't back off from it. Like he embraces it in this uh, moment. Um, he goes on. Uh, we see uh, this. Look at, uh, drop down to verse 14. Uh, and this is where he's talking more personally about his own uh, pain. He says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. And, and he's using this imagery of like his physical being to describe what his heart and mind and so the pain that they're in. And if you imagine like bones out of joint, he's saying that's, that's, that's the emotional anguish that I'm feeling right now. He says, my heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. This is so personal. My strength is dried up like potsherds and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. The dust of death. Talk about just feeling exhausted and dried up and like, how, how do I get up from this? And this is just where he is in his own life. Um, and I think about this and it's like, you know, I, I know for me, especially like younger, like that, like that wasn't how I saw being stronger or developing grit, right? Like, again, like I was talking about like in my marriage, like it was like, um, you know, when Angie and I would have conflict or maybe I felt disillusioned or something, it was like, I didn't want to go anywhere near that. It was like, okay, now I'm just going to put a smile on my face and I'm going to just think more positive thoughts in this. And this like, and this will make my marriage better, right? And Angie will be happier with me and won't have any more arguments. Like it's just not, no, but you know, you want to try harder at that thing. But the reality is like Dave, that's not, that's not how he looked at life. It's not how he looked at uh, uh, his relationships, uh, whether it was with God or someone he's married to or like whatever it was. Like there was just this kind of honesty that he had with it. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to numb the difficulty. 
And this becomes really important because if there's anything we've become good at in our culture, it's numbing the, the pain or the difficulties that we face, right? Um, we've learned how to like numb out uh, like overuse of alcohol or drugs or eating um, or shopping or social media, right? Uh, we, we, can, we can numb out like binge watching uh, TV. Uh, like we've got all of these different things. And, and sometimes it can become really easy to find some way to just numb out so I don't have to feel all of those difficult things. Sometimes when we feel isolated, right? It's just like, I'm just, I'm gonna numb out so I don't even have to think about that or the worries or the stress. But here's the thing, here's the thing. If you numb your pain, you can't learn from it, right? And last week we talked about this, that as you go through difficulty, let difficulty be your teacher. But if you numb out all of the difficulty, all of the pain, you can't learn from it. And you know, ask anyone who has lived a lot of years, Ask, and, and I promise you what they will tell you is that there are things that they learned in life that they could have only learned because of the difficulty or the pain that they went through. They'll be, now, it doesn't mean that they liked the pain. It doesn't mean that they would choose the pain over again. But some of the wisest people I know who've lived a lot of years would share. There are those moments where it was so hard to go through that. But what I gained, what I learned about life and how to live life or how to follow God or how, how to navigate relationships, oh my gosh. I, I don't think I could have learned it any other way than the pain that I went through. It became my teacher in this. And if you don't learn from it, you can't grow, right? So if, if you numb out on it, you can't learn from it. And if you don't learn from it, you can't grow. And if you don't grow, you'll keep repeating some of the same things over and over again that maybe you look at and you go like, why did I do that? I don't wanna do that. And yet I keep doing that. Maybe you just didn't have a chance to grow from it, right? You know, um, imagine, uh, imagine what it would be like. Let's say there's some difficulty that you navigated through and you're in this place and it's just like, oh, I hate the way this feels and, just, uh, and you just numb out on it. You pick your, pick your favorite numbing agent, right? And you just, you numb out on it. And a month goes by and two months go by and you've just, you've numbed it and like, and you've not had to feel the pain of it but it's still there, right? You've just, numbing it only just pushes it down below the surface. And everything is still the same two months later. And you numb it for a year and you're still just, it's, you're in the same place, right? Three years, four years, five years go by. And the truth is, if you've gotten really good at numbing it, you, you've, not, you've not moved, you've not grown. You're, you're still in the same place 
with all of that residue from whatever it was that you went through and all of that residue is still there. You've just found a way to numb it enough to just tolerate it. And the truth is you just, it hasn't, you've not changed. And I, and I bet that's not what you want. It's not what I'd want for any of you, right? And I know it's not the thing that God would want for you, that it's, it's to somehow find a way to grow through that, to change, to become something, someone else in your story in this. Because when we do that, in a way, the very thing you're trying to avoid is the very thing that you're creating. And so somehow we, we've got to grow uh, through this because um, if you numb the pain, the reality is what's happening is you're numbing uh, your whole life. And here's how the, that works. I, I want to walk through something of just what happens when we, when we numb our lives uh, in this way, because the reverse of it is the thing that we see with David here that becomes the key for us in like how to move forward uh, in this. So I want you to think about your life and I want you to think about your life uh, in a, with, a, with a certain paradigm, a real simple paradigm. I want you to think of your past, your present and your future, right? Um, and the reason I, I want you to think of it in this way is because when we struggle, like when we come through something difficult and we get to that place where the temptation and the draw is just to numb the pain, what we end up doing is we end up just living in our present moment, right? There's our past, our present, um, and our future. But I want you to think about what happens if you numb your present, because the present, that's where you feel the pain, right? This is where the stress is. This is where the worry is, right? Like in your present. And you just like, I, like, I hate being in this place. And so you start numbing it. But as you do that, if you numb your present, you cut yourself off from your past. You cut yourself off from your past because here's what happens. I want you to think about this, right? As you numb that pain, what happens is it, everything just becomes focused in on your present moment. It's just like, how do I get through this thing right here? Your world becomes very small. It's like you're in that cave, isn't it? Right? The last thing you want to do is find yourself a little bit awake at night when you lay down to go to sleep because there's that fear that as soon as I put my head down and I close my eyes, all of those worries, all of that anxiety, it's just going to come flooding back into my mind and I'm terrified of that moment, right? And so you make your world, you just numb it until your world becomes very small. But what you've done is you've cut yourself off from your past You've also kind of cut yourself off from your future in that moment, right? And we don't realize that we've done that, but that's like, that's what we've done. And the reality is if you numb your present, you stop seeing yourself as a person who's going somewhere, right? You lose touch with where you've been and you don't see yourself as someone going somewhere. Because all you see is, how do I numb what I'm feeling right now? And the problem with that is, if you cut yourself off from your past, you're cutting yourself off from your story. Because your story starts in your past. Your story, right, 
it starts back there and your story is filled with lots of things, right? Your story is filled with moments that had those peaks, right? It's also filled with those moments with those valleys. Your story is filled with those moments of uh, great faith. Your story is filled with those moments where God did something wonderful or beautiful. Your story is filled with moments where maybe it was really difficult, but you made it through uh, in there. And, and this becomes important because when you lose that sense of your story, you start losing a sense of who you are. And what I want you to see is David doesn't do that. David doesn't get lost. Like he's, he embraces what's going on in his present and it actually helps him connect to his past, which helps him connect to his story. I want you to see what happens uh, in Psalm 22. Look back at Psalm 22. Right? So he starts off and he's just like, why have you forsaken me? What? Like, he, like, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. But look at verse four, starting in verse four. He says this, in you, our ancestors put their trust. Right? He's, he's not just going back to his past. He's going way back in his past, like before he was born to his grandfathers and his father in this. He says, um, in you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. I've heard the story. I've heard the stories of people that struggled and you came through for them. Moments when they were desperate. Maybe they were like hiding in a cave, but you came through for them, right? He's connecting to that story. He says, to you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and they were not put to shame. And you have to understand when David goes into that cave, right? He acted like a madman so that he could just get out, right, escape. This is a guy who was leading thousands, maybe tens of thousands of men into battle. He was the leader. He like, and to find himself all alone, pretending to be a crazy man, the shame he must have felt when he went into that cave. Like, can you imagine when he's like, what have I become that now... I'm the guy that's got to foam at the mouth just to rescue myself and escape. Ever find yourself going into a cave filled with shame? Just going like, what have I become? But David, like, as he embraces where he is, it's like it pulls him into his past and he's like, you know, my story's connected to what God has done and it's bigger than any one moment where I or someone else walked into a cave. It's, it's like there's, there's something else going on here. God didn't let them stay in their shame. That's not who God is. You see what's happening here? He goes on. Uh, drop down to verse 10, because now he doesn't just talk about his ancestors. He talks about himself. He says, from birth... I was cast upon you. And he's speaking to God. I was cast upon you, God. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. What he's saying is, this is my story too, right? There was a day he actually walked out, you know, you know, mano y mano, he and Goliath, right? And it's like, oh yeah, that was me. God, you were with me on that day. That, that actually happened. That, and all of a sudden, it's like he's starting to get this feel of his story in what's going on. And friends, when we numb our present, we cut ourselves off from our past, 
We start numbing our past. We start losing that sense of our story. And all of a sudden, there's all of this stuff that we could carry from our story into our present, and we just don't have it because our world's become small. And it's like David's like, no, I'm, I'm desperate to connect to the larger story of what God's been doing in my life. And it's like building grit in him. Um, and if you cut yourself off from your story, you're cutting yourself off from the hope for your future. Because, and here's how this works, because your story, all of those things that it holds, that's, that's where your story, what you've experienced with God, that's where hope gets birthed out of what God has already done through you. And sometimes, sometimes it's the real positive thing. Sometimes it's the moment where it's just like, um, you got to slay the Goliath in your life. There was that moment where the odds were against you. There's no reason it should have worked. And you trusted God and it worked out, right? And we love those stories, right? You need to be connected to those stories because that gives you hope that maybe even in this moment, like God's not gonna let me stay here. Like God's with me in this. Like I, just because the odds seem like it's against it, I, like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going forward. I've got hope for my future. But you know what else is in your past that is in your story? There were moments of pain. There were moments where it didn't work out. But guess what? Here you are. Here you are. I know it was bad. And I know it was hard. But here you are. You survived it. You made it. You like, and you would go, I don't ever want to go through that again. I hope you don't. But maybe you're stronger than you realize. Maybe God like, like poured a little fortitude into your soul, forged some grit in you. And, and you just, you want to get in touch with that. There, you might have more faith than you realize. You might, like, they're, like, you can withstand more than maybe what you think you can. If you're in this, if you're just in the present numbing out and you lose that, you know what we tell ourselves in those moments? I can't do this. I can't do this. I can never do this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't know what I'm doing. God doesn't love me enough. I just, like, you get into all of that. But something happens when you can start saying, okay, this is the truth of where I am. But this is also the truth of me. And God has been in my story in good times and in hard times. And as you begin finding that, it begins fueling something in you. It starts building this kind of hope in your future. Um, it's interesting what you see um, uh, with Dave. I want to read uh, one uh, passage uh, here to you. Um, this is in Psalm 22, verse uh, 24. And this is, right, this is after he's gone through the pain of everything and now he's connected with his story. And now, now he's like looking to the future. And he says this, he says, um, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. Like that's it, like this is him. He's speaking like, I, like he hasn't despised me. He says, I'm gonna be okay. Like he's like, you know, he's not okay right now, but like I'll be okay. He has not hidden his face 
face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. He goes on to verse 26. Look at verse 26. The poor, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. He's like, he's talking about, this is what's coming in the future, right? Um, May your hearts live forever. He goes on verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families and all the nations will bow down before. It's like he's preaching a sermon now. It's just like, God's so good. Like God's gonna just, it's just like, who is this optimistic guy that's now like, God's gonna reach the whole world. It's just, and it's like, he went from being hiding in this little cave and it's like the world's over and God doesn't love me. And then you know, God forsake me to like, man, God, everyone's gonna love you. Everyone's gonna be turning like, and it's just like, well, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. He didn't numb the pain that he was in. And the more he connected to that story, even though it was a story that had pain, it was still a story that had joy. It was a story that had victory. It it was a story that had defeat that still pulled him back up after defeat. And now it's giving him eyes to begin seeing that no matter what I feel right now, I know I have a reason to hope that my future is secure with God, see? But it starts because he won't ignore it, see? And sometimes that's hard to do because when in those present moments, right, to just embrace, you know, uh, the conflict or to embrace the pain just feels like, no, this is the wrong direction. I remember a moment early on in our marriage. And just as I was honest to you about like, I hated conflict when we were first married. And not that I love conflict now. I've grown more comfortable. I've grown to be able to to embrace it reluctantly, as is the the way I would uh, put it. Because I I have just come to learn the benefit of it. That numbing it doesn't help. It doesn't help my marriage. It doesn't help our conversation. It doesn't help my relationship with God. But if I can find a way, right, to embrace it in a healthy way. And, and I, I remember one time, uh, it was before we had moved back to Tucson, we were selling our house to actually move back here. And our real estate agent said, well, you, you need to paint all of the interior. I forgot what color they were, but she's like, you need to paint them all white. So this is in the wintertime in Michigan. So we took all of our doors off in our house, all the interior doors. We laid them out in the basement. And I'm like, I've got this great plan. I've got this uh, um, sprayer, this paint sprayer and a great, big uh, air compressor and we're just going to spray all the doors all at once. And I didn't get the, the paint mixed uh, just right. I didn't get it thin enough to go through the sprayer right. And I had one of those like steel cans on it and I'm trying to get this sprayer to work and it's not working. And now it's like late at night and I'm tired and the door should have already been hung back and I'm getting grumpy and mean and Angie and I, you know, we're just, it's just, but of course, you know, I'm Mr. Like, you know, don't want to go there. You know, and Angie's like, how are you doing? I'm fine. Fine. I said, I'm fine a lot when we were first married, right? And it was a lie. And Angie knew it was a lie, right? But it's just like, I, but I wouldn't go there. And finally, one night we're painting, just like, mm, I'm painting this stuff and it's not working. And I, in this moment, this is how frustrated I was. I was just like, I don't care. I'm just gonna, more power, right? Just, and you know, on the side of the can, it probably said, you know, like, 51, you know, uh, you know, PSI for the can, you know, well, my compressor will go up to 200, you know, just, there we go, 200. And I hit that thing and it dribbled out a little paint, finally got a little paint out. And you know, those cans, they're kind of um, concave on the bottom. And when I pulled the trigger to spray the paint, it went from concave to 
convex real fast and it broke the something inside of it. I let off the trigger and it just kept, you know, spittling out paint all over the doors. And I'm just like, and Angie goes, why are you doing that? This is, and I just like, and that was like the straw, right? Finally, right? And, you know, and I looked at Angie and I go, Angie, who really cares? Yeah, uh, that was my angry Glenn back then. She burst out laughing at me, right? And she goes, because she knew I was just like, she goes, that's the best angry you can do right now. And I was like, and, but it became this great moment because as she was laughing at me, right? And you're just like, you're dead. It, it's like, all of a sudden it was just like, it's okay, right? It became this like moment of just like, wow, I can be, we, we can be mad at each other. We cannot like life. We can just have a nice negative moment together down in the basement and life goes on, Right? Right? It wasn't the end of our marriage. It wasn't, we could have an argument. And there was something that she taught me that night, right? Uh, down in the basement of just like, you, it's okay to be honest about where you are. Because now we can have an honest conversation about it. And, and the truth is, like, that was a hard thing for me to learn. But as I've gone through life myself, right? I have learned that one of the best things I can do is when life gets hard, when it gets depressing or difficult or overwhelming or moments that I want to push away or numb away. Sometimes I need to, I need to just sit in it for a little while and let it teach me. Let it teach me something from my past about my story. Remind me when I've been there before or someone else that I knew. Because when I, get, when I get connected to my story of what God's been doing, I see a very faithful God. And I remember moments when, when I felt like, you know, is God there for me in this? And now I look back, here's one of the beautiful things. When you can connect to your story, you get to look back with a perspective you didn't have back then. Because if you're like me, I have moments in my story where I struggled and I was just like, God, why isn't this working the right way? And now I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, God was at work. I just didn't see it. You know that thing that I wanted to change in my job? I was desperate. God, why don't you change it? I look back now and I'm like, God, thank you for not answering that prayer the way I wanted you to answer that prayer. Because God really was at work. And even though it's painful now, maybe, it's like it gives me hope that God is still at work now and that I can look to my future with hope and that it'll be okay, see? And that hope, friends, that's what gives you grit to pick yourself back up after you've gone on the other side of something where it just feels like, like life punched you in the face and you're like, how do I get up now? That hope, that's the strength that says I can get back up. David got out of that cave and you know how he got out of that cave? Some of his friends found him and they're like, David, 
you can't stay in this cave. He's like, I want to stay. No, you can't stay in this. You need to go back to Israel because God has got things for you to do. And as David writes in this psalm, it's like he saw this picture of a God that was at work. And it was like, you're right. And David got out. of He had the grit to pick himself up and walk out of that cave. And eventually he became the king of Israel. And you just watch God work in his life. And God will do the same thing in your life. So I want you to practice this. I want you to, and it's really simple, right? Take a moment and, and really think through it, write it out, do whatever you need to do. But take a moment where you sit down and you recognize what you're experiencing in the moment, right? If you see yourself kind of numbing out, pause and just, even if it's 10 minutes to sit down and say, God, I'm going to pause and I'm not going to numb anything out. And just write out or think through, do you feel afraid? Do you feel shame? Do you feel overwhelmed? Like, just be honest about where you are. Do you feel like God betrayed you? I promise you can tell God that. He's big enough and tough enough to handle our disappointment with him. But then as you get a grip on where you are now, understand what you're doing is you're opening your heart up to your past, to your story. And then the second thing I want you to do is I want you to think about where you have faced similar things in your past. And think about those. What did you learn from those? Because I think what you'll find is, boy, there was a moment where you were really strong. There was a moment that you had faith and you walked it out. And even though it was difficult, you got through it. Cause, and I know you got through it. You know how I know that? Because you're here right now. And there were moments that were great victories. Then use that to cultivate some hope and maybe just write out what is your hope for the future? What do you want to see? And you start looking to that and watch how it gives you energy to pick yourself back up and move forward in the story that is God's gift to you, your life. Why don't you stand? And I'm going to close this in prayer uh, here this morning. And as I do, let me just say, man, if you're a visitor here this morning, if you're new here or we haven't had a chance to meet or shake hands, I'm going to be right over here by these tables. I'd love to just shake your hand this morning and welcome you uh, to Casas. And if you're going through something and you're just like, man, I would love to have someone pray with me. We have some wonderful, delightful people over here in our prayer place that would uh, just be an honor for them to get to pray for you and with you here this morning. Let, let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, I just thank you so much that uh, you are faithful and that you're faithful even when we accuse you of not being faithful. And God, we love you even when we can't even see straight. And God, we thank you that you, you are a God who lifts shame off of us and invites us into a future with you. And we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great morning. We'll see you next week. <laughs>